Good morning. Good morning. It is with great anticipation that I come to you today because uh, of what we have in front of us over the next uh, month or so, two months of this summer. Every year we get excited during this time. I mean, not that, you know, Romans hasn't been exciting, but we get excited during this time because we get to pick out a specific sermon series just to pick on you guys a lot more. So um, we get to pick out a we get to pick out a specific sermon series, summer series to focus on things that uh, every church needs to hear, but specifically uh, our church needs to hear. And I hope that you are looking forward to this as much as I am. I am super excited about. Um, the slate of topics that are ahead of us. I believe uh, with everything that is in me that we will, before the, or after the summer is over, you will have a, a plan, a pattern, a prescription, so to speak, for walking in the way of godliness. Um, and I think that if we can somehow dedicate our summer to growing in Christ uh, through this series, but not, also, not only through this series, but putting into practice what we've learned, uh, I believe that God will do a mighty work in you, in me, in our church. And uh, so much so that I expect it. Um, I, I'm not thinking that it might happen. I'm thinking that it's going to happen. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. Would you, would you pray with me as we uh, dive into the Word today? Gracious God, blessed is the man whose God is the Lord. Thank you, great God, for loving us. Thank you for giving your Son as the sacrifice, as the propitiation for the wrath of God. Thank you for not only washing my forgiving my sins but washing the stain of my sin away. For setting me not back in the quicksand, not in the mire, not in the clay, but setting me on the rock of my salvation. That is Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray as I go along my path as our church goes along our path that we would not abandon the rock of our salvation. That we would sincerely seek and find the way unto life. The blessed man knows the way. He follows the way. He lives the way. And as much as he can and as often as he can, he rejects every other way. Lord, help us to be blessed. God, thank You for my church, my friends, my family. Thank You that You have brought us here together to not only worship You corporately, but to corporately live out the mission of the Gospel into Horn Lake, into this state, into this country, and into the world. Renew our spirits, Lord. Strengthen our will. Strengthen our drive to be gospel proclaimers to the nations. 
Strengthen our drive to not only walk in the way of life, but to bring that way of life to the world. Would you allow us to settle at nothing less than than the pursuit of godliness in our lives, discipleship in our lives, and discipleship in others? Would you grow us in the Scriptures, in prayer, in generosity, in feasting, in fasting, in solitude? Would you grow us in our everyday life that the rhythms of our lives would be modeled by Christ and Christ alone? And for all of that, Lord, we give you the glory and the honor because we know that if any power of goodness comes in us, it comes through Christ and Christ alone and the power of the Spirit of God. Thank you, Lord, for loving us before the foundations of the world, for calling us to be workmen unto you, and for beginning that work and completing it in us. We pray today that you would bless this service in this time. Open our hearts and our minds to your word. We pray and ask these things in the matchless and holy, righteous name of Jesus. Amen. I went straight to Romans in my Bible. Some habits are hard to break. Psalm 1 is where we are today. Psalm 1, 1 through 3. There. Psalm 1, 1 through 3 talks about two paths. It talks about the path of the blessed man and the path of the wicked man. And we'll save the path of the wicked man for another time because what I want to do is I want to start us off right in our summer sermon series. I want us to start off on the assumption that if we are in here and the Spirit of God is in us, that we are going to be motivated to take the right path. And so I'm not going to warn you of the ills and the problems of the wrong path today so much. I'm going to motivate you by the right path. Today we are going to begin our series in the disciplines of grace. Over the next few weeks we will talk about generosity, fasting, solitude, scripture, routines and rhythms, feasting, and prayer. And some of these terms might be new to you in your personal life and we're going to try to explain them as best as we can and to share with you how these ideas, how these more than ideas, how these practices can blossom a believer into the tree that God has prescribed him to be. All of these principles are tried and true methods to walking in the way of the Lord. And ultimately, all of these principles, if we follow them in a consistent manner, not a perfect manner, not an infallible manner, but in a consistent manner, will lead us closer and into a more developed and rich relationship with Christ our King. But we must understand that these things that we're going to learn and practice, put into practice, starting now if we aren't, uh, for forever hopefully, they take discipline. They take failure and restarting and stopping and restarting. It takes practice. It takes time, hard work, dedication, commitment, endurance. The practices that get us to godliness are not things that 
They are things that might come naturally to the mind of a believer, but they are not necessarily things that come naturally to the practice of a believer. And so we must work diligently. We must pray and ask God for the strength. We must trust in the Holy Spirit of God to become the person that He desires us to be in order that we might become more, that person is more like Him to the praise of His glorious grace. But friends, I trust completely. I trust completely and entirely that excuse me, through the Lord's help, we will learn these things. Through the Lord's help, we will make a plan to put these disciplines into action. And through the Lord's help, He will change us into the image of His Son. Today, I want us to talk about the disciplines of grace and how they will lead us to walk in the way. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on the law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Psalm 1 teaches us Several principles, but I want to talk, I want to focus on one principle today from Psalm 1 that will help us lead into this disciplines of grace. Psalm 1 teaches us that the blessed man is the disciplined man. Blessed is the disciplined man. Psalm 1 teaches us that the life along the way, along the way to godliness, is a disciplined life. Our faith and our faithfulness is through the Lord's strength, of course. <clears throat> but Psalm 1 teaches us that one does not get the, the positive results of Psalm 1 without work and dedication and commitment to the Lord. Obedience to God is what Psalm 1 characterizes as the life of the blessed man. Being bridled by the Lord. Having the bit in your mouth. Being reined in by the Lord. Is how Psalm 1 characterizes the blessed and disciplined man. Now, he is not blessed because he obeys. But because the blessing of God is always a free gift. The blessing of God is on him. And therefore, he obeys. Did I mess that up or did I make that clear? The man that is blessed along the way is he does not obey. He is not blessed because he obeys. He does not receive blessings because he obeys, but he obeys because he is blessed with the ultimate blessing of God. And that is salvation through Jesus Christ. It is his continual connection to that one blessing, that eternal blessing that provides him with a continual line of blessing to this tree of life. You might say then that because the blessed man is blessed, he has the spiritual endurance to succeed until the end, to, to walk the right path, to be planted by streams of water with deep roots where a leaf does not wither and a fruit is yielded in season. The blessed man is blessed with eternal salvation. He is blessed with the blessing of Jesus Christ and the gift of the Spirit of God. 
And therefore, he walks not in the counsel of the wicked. He stands not in the seat. Or he stands not with sinners or sits not in the seat of scoffers. He is the tree that is firmly planted by streams of water. I want to point out two important lessons of the disciplined life that you can take away today and you can keep these on your mind as we look at the disciplines of grace over the next few weeks. He is disciplined in the way. The blessed man is the disciplined man. He is disciplined in the way. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. Now I'm going to do this a little backwards from how the verse is written. But blessed is the disciplined man in the way. His delight is in the law of the Lord and he meditates day and night. This blessed man treasures the law of the Lord. He makes it his priority. He makes it his daily goal. The word here for meditation is gives you the imagery of a, cha- a cow chewing on cud over and over and over and over again to just get that last bit of moisture out. Meditation is chewing over and over and over and over again, refusing to stop until you're sure that you get that last bit of beautiful moisture, beautiful life-giving Word from God. He meditates day and night. Unlike the person who walks in the counsel of the wicked or stands in the way of sinners or sits in the seat of scoffers, this person walks in the counsel of the Lord. This person stands on his precepts and he sits at the right hand of the throne of God. He is in pursuit of God, and therefore because of that, God is in pursuit of Him. John Calvin said of this, God is only rightly served when His law is obeyed. It is not left to every man to frame a system of religion according to his own judgment, but the standard of godliness is to be taken from the Word of God. He is disciplined in the way, and of course that way being Christ Jesus, the way, the truth. And the life. He has been blessed with the gracious gift of salvation. He has used that gift to discipline himself in order to please the Lord. Because he is blessed with this gift, because he disciplines himself to to chew on, to meditate the Word of God, he does not walk in the counsel. Of the wicked. He does not stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of scoffers. There is a progression there in that part of the verse. First, it's the man who is just checking out what is going on. He is walking in the way of sinners. It is the person who is willing and able to see wrongdoing, and he might even call wrongdoing wrongdoing. He walks by and he's turned off by what's going on. This is the Christian who does not, or the professing Christian even, that does not shield his eyes 
from ungodliness. He takes his focus just for a moment off of the holiness of God, off of the objective truth of God's Word. Then something changes. He is no longer just walking by or walking around the counsel of the wicked. He's no longer a passerby standing around the group just seeing what's going on. But he now is a person who is standing. Now he is in the circle. This is the person who is settled into the idea of sin. When this person was walking, he could still walk on by and he could still receive the counsel of God. But instead of being able to walk by now, he is in the circle. He sort of nudged his way into the group. After he listens for a while, with enough doubt that has creeped in, with enough disconnection from the words of life, he sits. He's stationary. He takes home in. This person who sits is the person that has gone from this is sin and I reject it to maybe this is their truth so maybe it's okay for them and you know I just want to love them. I'm just going to be around them. I'm going to, I'm going to be in fellowship with them. To the person who rejects truth as truth altogether. I've seen this countless times. And I've counseled with this person. This person is faithful for a while and usually something comes up that makes them question things. Almost exclusively, this person has a love interest or some emotional connection to someone who is not walking in the counsel of the Lord. Almost exclusively. I'm telling you from experience, I've seen this a thousand times. Almost exclusively, there is an emotional desire. There is a love interest, a love connection with someone who is not walking in the counsel of the Lord. And it starts off by saying, no, I see this as wrong. And then it goes to, well, maybe they have a point. Then it goes to, I'm with you. I'm here with you. This person has curiosity and some doubt, and then they will eventually let their mind take them wherever it wants in order to get what their flesh wants. It typically starts with a fleshly desire or an emotional desire, and it ends in full-blown involvement in the way of the world, which is, Walking in the council of wicked, standing in the way of sinners, and sitting in the seat of scoffers. As a matter of fact, we can see that sin in every life is always progressive. It's always progressive in every life. It almost never starts with murder. It always starts with hate in your heart. It always starts with covetousness, with envy, with anger. It almost never starts with adultery. It starts with mixed loyalties. It starts with lust. It starts with acting on forms of lust. It almost never starts with bank robbery. You know, it starts with something small. It starts with wanting something someone else has. 
There isn't one former professing Christian that just became an atheist the next day. It starts by allowing doubt to creep in, which doubt is fine. But friends, it's also okay to doubt doubt. Just because you doubt doesn't mean that that's objective truth. I'm doubting right now. It must be true. That's not the way it works. It's okay to doubt doubt. No professing Christian goes from I'm a Christian one day to I'm an atheist the next. It's because they stop by the way and they see what the world has to offer and they say, maybe it's not so bad. I'm, I'm not, that's not me, but maybe it's not so bad. And then that progression happens. What happens to this person almost exclusively is that person gets more and more involved in the system of the world. And before you know it, the scales tip. You must at least, friends, know from your experience in life that garbage in and garbage out. And eventually, if you continue to consume more of the wrong things than the right things, then the scales will tip in the wrong direction. And before we know it, we are sitting full-blown in the seat of scoffers, those who mock the Lord. The blessing of the connection of faith is overwhelmed by the onslaught of the things of the world. And the scales are tipped. No, no wonder, right? Naturally, if we fill our lives with the things of the system of this world, naturally, if we overwhelm our conscience, overwhelm our minds, overwhelm our hearts, overwhelm our emotions, overwhelm our love with the system of this world, naturally, the Spirit of God and the things of God will be pushed aside as the scales are tipped. And the rest is history. This person thinks they've come to a higher understanding or an enlightenment. They think they know better than those backwoods Christians. And what they've actually done is what the world has done since the beginning of time. They've had a problem with sin. If they don't answer it with Christ, they have to answer it another way. They need to know God. If they don't answer it with the one true God, they need to know it in another way. And they have a longing for belonging. And if they don't find they're not going to find that in the church because the other two are messed up, so they go somewhere else. This is not so for the blessed man. Because he observes the way of the wicked as he is chewing on the way of godliness. And he knows what is right. And he knows what is wrong. And he pursues right. He stands on the objective truth of God's words even as his emotions for other things run high. And he sits. And instead of sitting in the way of sinners, he sits in the way of God and refuses to be shaken. <clears throat> he refuses to be moved. 
Because he knows that the truth of God has been tested. The truth of God has been tried. And the truth of God has been found from everlasting to everlasting to be right, to be true, to be real. And literally, literally nothing else is. He is blessed with the gracious gift of salvation, which causes him to pursue the Lord in faithful discipline, which allows him to avoid the path of the wicked. Not perfectly, not always, but consistently. Consistently. Surely. His delight is in the law of the Lord. He is not faithful to God because He's strong or because He's willing. He is faithful to God because He is blessed. Because He is blessed, He refuses to adopt the world's thinking. He refuses to follow their path. He refuses to participate in their ways. He will not identify with their cause. He will not laugh at their vulgarities or be entertained by their lewdness. But His delight is in the law of the Lord. And on the law He meditates day and night. Salvation is His deepest blessing. He knows how to go in the way. Because He has the way in Him. But I think the psalmist points out another great blessing. Not only he is blessed in the way, by knowing the way, by being in the way, but he is blessed on the way. He is blessed along the path. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. He is blessed in the way, meaning that along the path, he is aware and He knows the way. He knows the truth and He knows the life. And He follows that path. And because of that, His life is generally marked by blessing. This, ble- this blessed man is blessed all the way to heaven. All the way down the path of sanctification. Now often we get the wrong idea about blessings. Often when we think of blessings, we, I mean, you might not think this is true of yourself, but all you have to do is hear our prayer request. When we think about blessings, we think first about our own health and the health of others. We think about prosperity in a sense. We think about wealth. We think about security. We think about happiness. But this is not what the psalmist points out as the deepest blessings of the disciplines of grace. The deepest blessings of the disciplines of grace are more eternally tangible and are more eternally satisfying. And the deepest blessings of the disciplines of grace are as follows. The psalmist lays them out for us. The deepest blessings of the disciplines of grace, of the path of life. Here you go. The blessed man is like the tree, firmly planted 
by streams of water. The deepest blessings of the blessed life is being rooted and grounded in the love and peace and security and the wealth of God. Here's how I want to put this back sort of into order now that I've gone in reverse order a little bit. Blessed is the blessed man because he has Christ. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And he meditates on that day and night. He does not walk in the counsel wicked. He does not stand in the way of sinners. He does not sit in the seat of scoffers. But he is firmly planted by streams of water on the objective principles of God's truth, God's will, God's plan. He is firmly planted. Friends, you need to see that this is not a wild shoot. This is not a garbage tree. Listen, if you have enough property, I have garbage trees all over my property. If you have enough property, you have garbage trees. You know what a garbage tree is? A garbage tree is an accidental growth. It's a tree that was uh, that a seed came from another tree somewhere else, either in on your land or somewhere else, and it shot up. It's just a really annoying weed is what it is. It's a garbage tree. You have to use some sort of forestry mulcher or you have to get them cut down because they're really, I mean, you know, other than like, taking out CO2 or whatever the environmentalists want us to believe and producing oxygen and all that stuff. Other than that, it's not really fruitful for the landscape. But this is not the man who is blessed. The man who is blessed has been, there, has been cultivated. The hole has been dug. The, so, the, the soil has been nurtured around. <clears throat> he has been purposefully planted cared for, tended to, loved. See, the garbage tree can grow by happenstance. But the tree that is planted, the tree that is firm, grows because of the care of the one who planted the tree. Firmly planted. Not like the bushes in your front flower bed. When I was younger in my marriage and, and younger as a house owner, I didn't understand how people could just start over in their flower bed. I thought once those things were there, they're there. You got these bushes that are up to your head, they're there. Come to find out, all you have to do is take a rope and an F-150 and you can pull those things out in like two seconds. Because the roots go like this. The roots go like this. Not this man. Not this person. This person, they go deep. They go wide. And the storms of life blow. The winds of change come. And the tree still stands. Not only was he firmly planted, but he's Firmly planted by streams of water. I'm not trying to overanalyze this, but you need to hear this. It doesn't say a stream of water. 
The Lord even, not that the Lord's nourishment could ever fail, but the Lord even put fail safes in the way we were planted. See, if one stream dries up, if someone tries to dam up a, a form of life for you for a moment, there are multiple streams of nourishment to bring that, to bring that water, to bring those nutrients down to that tree, to make the ground with which he was, at which he was planted firm and fertile. This man is planted by streams. Not only that, but where the wicked man walks, there's only one path with one result. Verses 4 through 6 say what that result is. Whereas the, I told you I wasn't going to talk about it, but I am just a little bit. The, the man that's planted after God, the blessed person, he is firmly planted. He is planted firmly. The wicked are not so. They're like the chaff that is blown away by the wind. The wicked are like the leftovers that are easily blown away. It's not so for the man who walks in the counsel of the wicked. The person who walks in the counsel of the wicked. The blessed man has streams that provide him untold and variegated blessings. So what is the result for the blessed man? He yields his fruit in season and his leaf does not wither. <clears throat> there are two things we need to see about this. Like clockwork, the Lord always and supernaturally develops a great produce in the blessed man who delights in Him. Like clockwork, in season, He produces what is supposed to be produced and more. But friends, you've got to see this. Man, I'm preaching, I've preached this to you before. I'm preaching this way better than I preached it last time. So y'all are just... Y'all are blessed today. <laughs> in season, He produces, right? That is one of the results. We get produce. But, but look at this. The produce is produced in season. Friends, you will not always produce fruit in the same way you produce in season. You will not always... But guess what? The work is still going on in the roots. The work is still going on in the trunk and in the branches and the leaves and in the development. There will be times of your life, there will be seasons of your life where you are working and you are dedicated and you are delighting in the Lord and it seems like the fruit is just not coming. Hey, Christian brother and sister, wait for its season. Don't pick too ripe of fruit. Wait till it's ready. Because the Lord will bless you. He will give you your fruit in season. It is not a suggestion. It is not a hope that the blessed person produces fruit in season. It is a assurity that the blessed person produces fruit in the time that God has planned, planned and prepared for him to produce the fruit. He yields its fruit in season. Even the faithful person may go through a time of lacking. When the blessed man, the man who delights in the law of the Lord, the man who delights in the Lord goes through a time of lacking, we know that he is actually going through a time of unseen development. To which, friends, 
the fruit of that development will be endless and will be beautiful. I want to point out two more small details. The leaf does not wither. Every tree that has ever been made has bad leaves, has bad branches. Even the brightest tree will lose a limb. Even the strongest tree will lose a limb. Not this tree. Not this tree. Even when he is not yielding fruit, he is alive and this can be seen by strong branches and vibrant leaves. It is because of that eternal connection to our blessed hope that our leaf does not wither. That our branches are strong. That we yield fruit in season. Ultimately leading to true prosperity. Psalm 1.3 says, In all that He does, He prospers. It is only when the blessed man is devouring the Word of God and the things of God that he is lined up with the will of God. It is only when he is lined up with the will of God that he prospers. And his prosperity is found in doing what God has laid out which has eternal good and is without fail. Some of us would use prosperity to tempt God. Some of us would say, God, if you just gave me more money, I would just be more generous. If you just gave me better health or better stamina or more energy, I would do your will. If I was young again, I would do what you wanted me to do. If you, Lord, if you gave me more time, more time, I would spend it all on you. Friends, the blessed man does not hold God hostage to the thought of future prosperity. The blessed man is obedient, he is faithful, and that always results in a prosperous life. We aren't going to focus on the last part of Psalm 1. Because we were focusing on what God is going to do in us. But as we are both generous to the church and to others, as we spend time fasting and praying for our faith and the faith of those around us, as we learn the art of Christian solitude that makes big moments in our life or decisions important enough to stop everything, and just meditate on the Lord. We even take little regular moments of unplugging everything and hearing the Lord. We will be uplifted to study, to meditate, and to have a proper understanding of the Scripture. We will see how our natural rhythms of life, our everyday life is to be modeled and shaped after the plan and the will of God. How our fellowship and how our feasting is a viable way of of us connecting to the body And how important prayer is as we walk in our faith. If you didn't catch that, those are all of the subjects that we're going to talk about over the next few weeks. I pray that the Lord would use this summer to bless us all along the way. 
so that we may return the blessing to Him of a life that delights in Him. So much so that we live our life, we model our life after that, and we give that same life to others. Friends, can I challenge you this week and for the next few weeks? When you hear the word discipline or disciplines of grace or spiritual disciplines, your first inclination, or when I tell you, when I start off by saying, you're going to have to work, it's going to be hard, you're going to have to be dedicated, your first inclination might be thinking, they're going to teach us something else that I have to do. Which, you know, if you want to take it at its base level, that might be true. But can I challenge you to search, to find, to pray for joy in your Christian life and in doing the things of God? I don't believe following these spiritual disciplines that we are going to lay out over the next few weeks will in and of themselves make you a better Christian. They can make you a moralist. But I think for the person who is blessed, the person who the joy of the Lord is their strength, that person who for the glory of the Lord, now this doesn't come naturally, it comes with prayer, it comes with thinking and self-accountability, that person can add these things to their life and be blessed and grow and mature and do it in a non-formalistic and non-moralistic way do it in a Christ honoring way but it takes joy it takes joy we have such a command in our Christian life to have joy in our in our faith to have joy in the life that we live if we are not joyful at the disciplines of God, the things that He has given us to draw us close to Him, we need to examine the fruitfulness of our own lives. And at the minimum, we need to pray that God would give us the joy that we are supposed to have in following after Him. I think at the end of this, friends, if our lives are modeled by joyful offering to the Lord, of our lives. We will have found. We will have accomplished the goal. That we set out to accomplish. Through this series this summer. Will you pray with me? God you are so good. Faithful. Perfect. Holy in all of your ways. We are not. We need You. We need You to help us be disciplined. To help us have (laughs) to walk in Your ways. To understand Your precepts. To trust You. And to do it with a joyful heart. Would You teach us to love You? To follow You? To obey You? Would you help us to learn of your ways so that we can be blessed along the way? 
It is in your precious name we pray. Amen.